caregivers have big hearts. They have a passion for service because you don't go into caregiving because you need a job. You go into caregiving because you you care about people and you want to serve others. The pay is not great. The work is difficult, both emotionally and physically, and it's definitely a calling if you're a great caregiver. That was Robin Van Heining, founder and CEO of Cornerstone Healthcare Training. Caregivers have been unsung heroes of our communities for years, and the past year has truly highlighted the extent of the work that they do and the impact they have on society. Now with the world more indebted than ever to caregivers in all walks of life, we want to dive deeper into the nuances of caregiving. Robin has created a program that's training caregivers to be the best they can be. With her lifelong career as a geriatric nurse, Robin has been on the front lines for decades and knows exactly what her peers need to be successful in their roles. Today, we're lucky enough to hear her advice firsthand. So let's get into it. Welcome to Incredible Learning Experiences. Welcome to Incredible Learning Experiences, a show about stories from the cutting edge of learning and professional development. On today's episode, we talk with Robin Van Heining about the sacrifice and selflessness it takes to be a caregiver, how to personalize the online learning experience for your students and the future of the caregiving industry. Incredible Learning Experiences is brought to you by your friends at ProctorFree, an on-demand, convenient, and cost-effective online proctoring solution for education and corporate environments. Elevate your credibility and reputation while providing convenient learning opportunities for your target audience. Learn more at proctorfree.com. And now here's your host, Mike Murphy. This is Mike Murphy, the host of Incredible Learning Experiences, and I'm joined today by Robin from Cornerstone Healthcare Training. Hi, Robin. Hi, Mike. Can you tell us a little bit about your organization and the scope of your current role? Sure. Cornerstone Healthcare Training Company is a licensed private vocational school, and we offer long-term care worker certifications. Those are caregivers that work in long-term care settings in Washington State. And then in addition, we offer continuing education for all caregivers everywhere. And as far as my role within the company, I am the founder and the CEO. And what is your why? Why are you in this industry and doing what you're doing? We have a passion for serving those who serve others. When you as a customer interact with us, we hope you'll experience a moment of kindness and compassion because we believe that we need to take care of the caregiver and the providers that provide caregiving services. So you're never going to be a number with us. You'll know our names, we'll know yours, and our goal is to help you be successful and in some way make your job easier today because we know that we don't have any success without your success. Okay. And before I I dig into some of the terminology, can you tell me about your community and what makes it unique? Yeah. I live in the San Juan Islands, which is an archipelago of islands located in Washington state, but we're in the ocean in between Washington State and Vancouver Island, British Columbia. And there's um, approximately 72 islands, of which four are serviced by ferry. So the only way to get to us is by a boat or by a plane. And it's about an hour ferry ride out to the islands. Very small communities, 3,000 to 4,000 people on each of the larger islands. And uh, it's very remote. We love it. Beautiful. So if someone were to live there or grow up there, do you just become familiar with water travel and riding a ferry? Is it kind of like second nature? 
It is not convenient um, because we are a tourist location. So there's always a juggle for who gets the space on the ferry. So you often have long waits, sometimes two to four hours for your next ferry. But we learn to just carry an overnight bag in our car and a good book. Wow. So there's so have you had to stay overnight sometimes when you just weren't planning to do so? Sure. Is that that's just a rite of passage? If you've lived there and you've taken the ferries, you've definitely had to have an overnight bag or you regretted not having one? Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> that that's interesting. Um I, I love that. So th- thank you. You live a different pace of life. Yeah. You're much slower and you go with the rhythms. I imagine that. That's interesting. Um and then you, you mentioned the term caregiver, provider, and a customer. Um are, are are those three separate things? Can you walk me through what what is a caregiver to you? What is a provider and what is a customer? Sure. We have two customers, the caregiver who is taking our training from us. And the other customer is often an employer because training is often paid for by an employer. So the employer chooses which training company to use. And some students pay privately and have their choice, but we may you know, we cater to two different types of customers. And so when I say provider, I'm meaning the employer because they're a provider of caregiving services. Either they own a home health care agency, they operate an assisted living, or they own and operate an adult family home. And when we consider long-term care, um, is there a a typical age population, a period in someone's life, a a timeline? The um, long-term care has um, it it serves what is considered a vulnerable population either by age or by disability of some sort. It may be a developmental disability. So there are residential care facilities for folks living with uh, a, a disability who may be younger. There's a, a great home in the Leavenworth, Washington area that services young men with Down syndrome. So that is a residential care facility. It's, it's a a group living situation that is a residence, not a hospital or a nursing home. It's designed to be more home-like. And is there a a transition or a segue to being a caregiver? Is there um, something in common that caregivers have? Caregivers have big hearts. (laughs) Um, They have a a passion for service because you don't go into caregiving because you need a job. You go into caregiving because you, you care about people and you want to serve others. The pay is not great. The work is difficult, both emotionally and physically. And it's definitely a calling if you're a great caregiver. And uh, have you been a caregiver in the past? I have. I am a registered nurse and I have 35 years of experience, most of it in long-term care. Wow. Did, and was there something in your life where the, you think the switch flipped for you, where you said that this is what makes me happy or makes me feel fulfilled? Um, yeah, we're going to go way back to a little five-year-old girl who had her tonsils out in the hospital and was scared because you couldn't have your parents there. Yeah. And I was separated from my twin brother. And I was um, hurting. And the only person who paid attention to me was the red-haired night nurse. And she made me feel so much better. And I decided at five years old, I wanted to be a nurse because I wanted to help others like she did. And I was singularly focused and um, headed towards that goal. and, And I still love it today. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. So uh, that was just some opening questions. We're going to transition to uh, the roadmap. Wait a minute. Do you know where we are, Brian? Are we lost? 
And we want to talk more about the individuals that interact with your training business. So can you give us an example of a person who would be going through your learning experience or your training? The um, person who would come to us for training, as I mentioned before, is either sent to us by their employer or they have decided they would like to go in caregiving. In Washington, um, Washington tends to be one of the more leading long-term care states, meaning that it's more regulated and there's a greater emphasis on training. So to work in the three settings I mentioned earlier, assisted living, adult family homes, or home care, you have to have either a certification as a nursing assistant or a home care aide. And so they come to us to get those certifications so that they can work in those different settings. Okay. And then um, I assume that for a period of time, this was done in person in the past? It was. When we first began, it was all in-person training and the state agency, the Department of Social and Health Services, which is in charge of the training programs, was not in favor of online training. But there was a situation in 2010 where a new regulation was coming into effect in a very short time period that they were not going to be able to meet the training needs for this requirement by in-person training. There just weren't enough trainers to get it out there. And so I had submitted a proposal for online training and they allowed us to go forward with it at that point. Interesting. And then how do you think about creating the content for this training? Where does it come from? And then what are the differences between how you would think about it when you did it in person versus online? Some of our content is content that is created by the Department of Social Health Services. It's a curriculum that is preset, and then we create it into an online version. Other content we create ourselves. And when I first began doing the courses, it was video video lecture. And through time, we learned that video lecture wasn't the greatest teaching. And so our courses were quickly becoming dinosaurs. And I became aware of a position called an instructional designer. And they take this content, this curriculum, and create it into this amazing product that engages learners and assesses learners. And and so I... um, in looking at content creation, realized that we needed someone with much greater skills than my skill set. And so I went on to Indeed.com and I searched for an instructional designer and we were really lucky to find that incredibly talented young woman who rewrote our primary course and the state was so impressed with it that they are actually rewriting theirs and, and we're using her as a kind of a support person for their instructional designer. And so that's how we look at content is, you know, what is the outcome? What kind of caregiver do we want to create? What is the curriculum we have to work with? And how are we going to get those two things together? I'm really happy to hear you reference uh, the term instructional designer. I did not know what that was 15 years ago, but they are unsung heroes um, in many ways. If you need to deliver something online, it's um, it's really unique skill set. They're they're good at what they do. Interesting. And then when a caregiver interacts with um, your courses and your training materials, what is the typical timeline? Um, are they with you for one day online, three days, a month? How does that work? Well, it depends on which of our programs or certifications they need. They could take a one-hour continuing education course, and that may be it. 
our core course would be called the Home Care Aid Certification Training, and that's a 75-hour course. So they're going to be with us for a while. They have, by regulation, 120 days to complete it. We find it usually takes most folks about two months. They're trying to fit it in between one or two or three other jobs that they're doing, and we have on-demand learning, so it's at their pace. But uh, what we also hope is once they have either done that one-hour class or uh, completed a certification with us, that they'll keep coming back to us because every year the home care aides are required to have 12 hours of continuing education. So we want them to come back and get their continuing education from us. Yeah. So you might have someone spend a a substantial part of the year with you and then um, interact with you over multiple years. So have you gotten to know some of uh, some of the caregivers that have gone through your training? Very much so. It's been one of the great things. I was worried that in online learning, I wouldn't have a connection with the students, but we know a lot of our students by name, by face, because they do have to do some video interaction in their skills with us. And I have, uh, folks who have been with us for 10 years coming back every year for their training. That's great. And then when someone goes through and and completes their training, what do they do and, and what do you do? Is there like a reporting mechanism with the state? The whole process is really complex, and that's part of the service we provide is helping walk our students and our the employers of the students through that process. And so there's the when they start their training, they have to file an application with the Department of Health. And then once they complete their training, they have to send a copy of that certification to the Department of Health, which then triggers them to take receive an email from a company that has been contracted to do the state exam because there is a state exam when they're done with our training and they pass that exam, then they will receive their certification. So Interesting. Um, so it's almost like you're, you're an educator and a counselor and you can kind of guide them through the process sometimes. Yes. Okay. Robin, how do you think about proctoring? So, um, When we started doing our courses, they didn't require competency testing. But as the state gathered confidence in our company, they started letting us present curriculum that required competency testing. So that then required proctoring. And I don't know anything about proctoring. And so I went online and found a bunch of names on proctoring and came up with one. And that's we went with them. It didn't work for us because of the service was fine, but the the proctors were live proctors, and they had such thick accents that our staff, our students, couldn't understand how to get to their exam. And so that's when we learned of Proctor Free through Digital Chalk, and went with Proctor Free and. That has been a great customer service experience because not only is it a simple process for our students, but whenever they have difficulties, they get very quick resolution to that. So we have had not anywhere near the customer complaints that we had previously. Can you tell us about a a, a recent triumph or something that sticks out to you about a, a learner experience that you've stayed in touch with? Yes, we had um, we get to have those experiences frequently, but one I can think of recently is as part of this 75-hour training, a student is required to do 16 hours of skills demonstration. And we used to do that in person prior to COVID-19 <laughs> and the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And um, all of the other programs in the state had to stop training at that point. But the state allowed us to pilot a virtual skills lab 
where we have students, uh, we demonstrate the skill by video, then they stick their cell phone up on their nightstand and film themselves performing the skill and send it to us. And as you can imagine, that can be a frustrating experience because some students have better technical skills than others in learning to upload a video and doing the video correctly. And often there's a language barrier. So we've had students who, you know, are very frustrated at that point, but we offer live instructors available 12 hours a day by text, email, phone, and we actually have a live lab where they can sign on like we are in your typical type of a Zoom type setting where they can see the instructor and the instructor can see them. So one great triumph and it's been repeated, is a student who is just so frustrated. They may be almost in tears or they may be angry. And when we reach out to them and we take their hand, so to speak, and walk with them through this virtual lab process, and at the end, when they have completed all of these skills and they are so proud of themselves and feeling so successful, and I think that's what really brings joy to our team, our instructors, when we can help someone who's really been challenged and struggling and and have them coming out feeling really great like that. That's great. And then why does this learning experience matter? Well, Mike, do you have parents? I do. Are they getting older? They are. Are are you going to care for them when they need care as they get older? I think about their well-being, and I don't know um, how I would even provide the care. <laughs> yeah. So, so we have 7.8 million open caregiver positions by 2026 because wow. of the aging baby boomers, of which I am one. Mm-hmm. I could be your parent. And we're going to need care, and there's not enough caregivers out there. So this learning experience matters developing caregivers, finding caregivers, recruiting caregivers is incredibly important for the people of my generation because we know our kids are busy. They have their careers and we actually don't want to burden our children with caregiving for us in in most cases. So caregiving can be very satisfying work. And one thing is that the income is guaranteed. <laughs> you don't have ups and downs. You still have caregiving during pandemics and So uh, we need more options for training and classical in-person training programs are not going to be able to meet this kind of demand. So the online um, training lets care workers prepare for another career. I mean, if they're, I shouldn't say care workers, the online training allows people working in other jobs that may want to try caregiving to actually take training and prepare for caregiving while they can maintain their current income. And Caregiving, even if it's not their full-time job, can also be a supplemental job to their income. So there's there's lots of positives about caregiving. So not only is there a huge demand that we need people to take up caregiving and have this training, um, but it's also very fulfilling. So is there something you would recommend someone thinking about that's unfamiliar with caregiving and has aging family members? Um, or where where could someone even go to learn about caregiving or find it? Like, you know, my, my parents don't need that today, but suppose down the road they do. Where where would I even start? Well, the internet's a great place. There are <laughs> there are um, many of the home care agencies have developed websites that provide resources. They have podcasts such as this one, uh, maybe YouTube videos, but there are 
also websites that are developed for long-term caregivers and for folks who have those needs. I have a one of my parents is has been in care for almost 20 years. And, you know, I was fortunate. I'm a registered nurse. I basically knew the care that was necessary, but it's a specialty and most folks don't. So going to uh, one of these resources on the internet can be really helpful. There are also in all communities, there are senior centers and the senior centers are great resources. They have social workers who can tell you who the support people are in the community. And uh, it doesn't seem such an unknown, uh, huge, scary thing when you've got someone to help guide you through it. And if I was looking for a caregiver, suppose I was just on my own, is there certain titles or designations that I would want to recognize? Like how, how would I know that someone may have the a relevant background and skill set? That's a really good question because I see folks all the time just hiring someone who says they're a caregiver and they may be a kind and loving person, but there is definitely a skill and training necessary to provide the best care. So I would ask someone what type of training they've had. And um, the nationally known uh, credential is usually an NAC, or sometimes it's called a CNA, a Certified Nursing Assistant or Nursing Assistant Certified. That is known in every state in the U.S. and is recognized by Medicare A as a credential. So I would ask them if they have that or a similar credential. Without that, uh, you know, if they say, well, I've been a caregiver for 10 years, I would still encourage them to get the training. I find long-term caregivers who have been working private duty uh, still have much to learn through a credentialing program. We're going to transition to a segment called Learner Success. The success. It was a huge success. We did it! Victory! Success. He smells like success. And it's okay to reference the virtual skills lab if, if you want. What is one thing you have discovered or implemented in the last 24 months that has measurably improved learner outcomes? Well, the last 24 months does include the pandemic, (laughs) so that has definitely changed things. In general, I would say, without considering the pandemic, that we have shortened our learning modules and we need to shorten them further because today's learners need quick engagement. The studies are showing you have about 24 minutes out of every 40-hour work week that you can spend on training. So there's a whole process to micro learning and things like that. So that in general, I would say that in the last 24 months, we've been focusing on that. But then there came the pandemic, which created, um, we were already well positioned in that we provided mostly online learning. It was either through self-paced courses or it was through virtual live classes. But there was that piece of the virtual skills lab. How do you teach someone to do a skill when you're not there in person. And so uh, we're still trying to decide whether we want to, um, we're in the pilot process. So whether we continue it or not, we will not know till the end of summer. So far it has been very successful. We've been measuring our, our state exam pass rate. We wanted to make sure that ours didn't drop with it. And we've actually 
improved with it. It seems like having the students spend more time actually producing their skill versus going to two full days of just having kind of an information dump given to them, they're actually doing better. Our current, uh, the, the average pass rate on the state exam is about 76%. And our most recent pass rates are averaging 92% wow. using the virtual labs. So Interesting. And then as we look ahead, it's, you know, pick this year, arbitrary year 2030, which probably isn't that far off. <laughs> so as we look ahead to 2030 and beyond. I see the future. Is this what the future holds? That's the future. Fascinating modern age we live in. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the future. How do you think it'll be different? Will it be more kind of like micro learning sessions? Would that be an ideal blend? Like learn for a short period of time and then do something hands on? You know, technology is moving so fast. It's really hard to predict what it's going to look like. But I think it's got to be fun. It's got to be easily accessible and it's got to be convenient. If it's not, it's not going to engage. Uh, you know, my generation, we were taught to sit there and listen to a lecture and learn from that. And that's not the way learning happens anymore. And so we need to be able to move. You know, virtual simulators It would is something I would love to explore as part of skills training. I even think about how I learn and um, the desire that I have to just sit down and read. And I, I, I just don't have enough time to even do that. So um, there's times of the day when I want to close the computer and not <laughs> learn on a computer. So that, that's a challenge I imagine many people are dealing with. So I'm going to ask a couple random questions. Who was your favorite teacher? My favorite teacher was Mrs. Beckwith. She was my third grade teacher, and she was the one that taught me cursive writing, and I thought it was so beautiful. But I think what made her so special to me was that she also connected with me as a person. I remember her giving me an angel wing begonia plant to take home, and I nurtured that plant for years. She was very firm, but she was kind, and I always felt safe with her. So she was my favorite teacher. How often do you write in cursive? Every day. I love cursive writing. Do really? I do. I think it's beautiful, but I, I, can't, I probably couldn't write the full alphabet in cursive um, consistently right now. I, I do remember learning. I used to love those, those pages that had the, the, the large uh -huh. spacing between the lines and you would like trace. And um, yeah, I, my signature has um, also evolved to just be my initials over time because it was chicken scratch. Um, great. And what is the first thing you remember learning about? Oh, that would be Mrs. Roth in the first grade. She taught me to read. Reading was so amazing. Um, I can remember our first book was Run, Jane, Run. And it was about Dick, Jane, and their dog Spot. And um, I couldn't wait to get through each of those books. And I'm still an avid reader. I love the way reading transports you to other places and times. And just that was the first thing I remember learning was how to read. And what is something that you've learned recently in the last week or the last month? Hmm. Um, I was fortunate enough to receive um, a spot. Our, our, our state uh, Department of Commerce was doing a grant for small business owners on scaling up your business. And it's an intensive eight-week course. And I'm right in the middle of it. And I, um, it's 
been fascinating. It is refining things I knew but didn't necessarily focus on. And I think probably like this last week was on market research. And I had no idea, you know, there was this one reference source that you could get through your library card on the online to find and sort through all of the potential customers in your market in an area. So, so I think just learning how to we're a small business, but we want to diversify and we want to grow. And so I think that's that's scaling up my business is what I'm... Well, it's not, it sounds like a, a relevant course and you've got some interesting summer learning to do. Yeah, <laughs> it's intense. <laughs> Great. And if someone wanted to um, learn more about you and your business, where would they find you? Our website is cornerstonehealthcaretraining.com. This has been Mike Murphy with Incredible Learning Experiences, and we've had Robin Van Heining with Cornerstone Healthcare Training with us today. Incredible Learning Experiences is brought to you by your friends at Proctor Free, an on-demand, convenient, and cost-effective online proctoring solution for education and corporate environments. Elevate your credibility and reputation while providing convenient learning opportunities for your target audience. Learn more at proctorfree.com.